0: Hello, I'm Pastor Phil Minter. I'm the lead pastor of Harvest Worship Center. On behalf of myself and our congregation at Harvest Worship Center, we would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. This is a podcast of our Sunday morning celebrations that take place every week at 10.30 a.m. We would like to invite you to come and join us in person sometime. We are located at 456 4th Street in Trine, Georgia. We now pray that you are blessed by the Word of God today. Thank you again, and we hope you will enjoy this week's message. If you would like more information about Harvest, please visit us on Facebook and Instagram or at our website at tryandhwc.com. You have His love today, whether you know it or not.
1: He loves you unconditionally. He has...
0: He is head over heels in love with you. He would do anything he could for you, and he has done everything for you through sending his son Jesus to die on the cross. Amen. Aren't you thankful? Forty days, uh, forty days of focus, and today we end with our focus on 2020. What God has for us, uh, what's in store for us, and I will tell you, uh, I believe that there's some great things in store. this church in 2020. I know that many have been going through a lot over the last 40 days, still going through it. A lot of sickness in the church right now and uh, families just uh, can't seem to get better. Well, when it's flooding one second and the blizzard the next, what do you do? Um, Get ready. I think we got more rain coming. Ready to build an ark. Might need an ark to get around, but God has been good to us. And so today I want to kind of uh, bring us into the journey of where I believe God is directing us after this 40 days and then the completion of this. Um, I'm hoping and I'm praying that you will not stop praying, that makes sense, that you will continue this journey of prayer throughout this year, that we are creating a culture of prayer in this church Um because without prayer, we will fall short of the vision God has laid before us to accomplish, and we will not be able to do it. Without Him, we might as well just stay right put where we're at because until He moves, I don't want to move. How about you? Until He speaks, I don't want to, to try to, to, to do anything.
1: I do believe, however, God is speaking. I do believe that God is directing, and, and hopefully in the days
0: to come, uh, we'll we'll have some exciting things to share with the church uh, about that direction. Um, ultimately, we know the goal ahead of us in 2020 is to get a new church home, uh, to try to be in a new building by uh, my goal is by the end of this year. By the end of this year, that we'll be in a new building, a new facility, um, a brand new church pastor. Nope, a brand new ministry center, a place, a spiritual hospital place where the hurting can come, the wounded can come, and they can find life and hope and that there can be discipleship going on. Amen? Uh, I've shared with you, and many have said this, but um, actually Billy Graham coined the phrase as well as other famous ministers throughout history that we have been uh, effective sometimes at reaching lost souls. We've been very poor at discipling them. Um, With that said, I'm going to give you just a little bit of plug, within a few weeks we are going to begin a New Believers class. I asked for some of you to show me your interest, many of you showed your interest, and so now I'm asking you to up the ante. There is at the Welcome Center a sign-up sheet for this class, so uh, we will know how many to prepare for material-wise. So if you are interested in the New Believers class, please sign up for that. because a lot of us, and, I, and I'm going to tell you, I've had people come to me that have been serving the Lord for a while but said, you know what, I need something like this. I want to take something like this. And I'm going to just tell you something. Um, sometimes people get saved and we just kind of throw them out there to, to figure it out. And a lot of times we've, come on, folks, we've thrown them out there and so say, figure it out. Um, and then we'll give, them, we'll give them some really, really poor advice. Read your Bible go to church, pray, but we don't teach them how to read their Bibles. We don't teach them how to pray. You say we teach people to pray. Jesus said to his disciples when they asked, teach us, Lord, to pray. He said, pray in this manner. He gave them a pattern of prayer. He gave them a type of prayer. Not that we pray that prayer every day, but we pray that pattern of prayer every day. And there's there's a lot of things we can learn that we have failed to learn. How many of you had to kind of figure it out on your own? Come on, tell the truth. A lot of, too many hands in the house, too many hands in the house. So New Believers class, if you're interested in that, doesn't matter if you've been serving the Lord for five seconds or if you've been serving him for 50 years. If you feel like you need it, please sign up for that class and, um, because I think we're going to have a great time as we learn to follow Jesus. Um, I think it's hilarious to watch, to read about the way the disciples tried to follow Jesus sometimes. I, you say, oh, you read the Bible and laugh all the time. 'Cause I think it's absolutely a riot watching these guys try to follow after Jesus. I think it's more of a riot watching me try to follow after Jesus. Okay, I, I I I'm I don't know if you feel that way. And I think sometimes the Lord's sitting on the throne and he's just really laughing at me. And he has to laugh sometimes to keep from crying. But he's laughing, saying, Look at Phil trying to follow me. Isn't that a riot? Isn't that a riot? Folks, we've got to figure some things out. We've got to build strong discipleship. We have to be a strong forever family if we're going to accomplish what God has. There has to be connection this year. Come on, folks, say it. Say it. Connection. There has to be connection this year, and you got to do more than connect with the handful that you are used to connecting with. We've got to branch out. We've got to get out of our comfort zone if we're going to be the kind of church that God wants us to be. In other words, Harvest Worship Center is a forever family of believers committed to preaching the cross with conviction not just preaching the cross but preaching the cross with conviction reaching the lost with compassion and equipping the saints with the word that's kind of the things that the Lord's laid on my heart for our church this year that we be that we are a church of passion and commitment to one thing a cross centered life. If it's not about the cross, we don't need to promote it. If it's not about people coming into a relationship with Jesus, we don't need to have it. If we cannot bring someone to a challenge, if all it is is a gathering and we are not challenged with the word, we don't leave there wondering about something in our life that needs to change or become more like Jesus, then we are failing in what we are supposed to accomplish. I'm here to tell you, God is ready to do some mighty things, but we must preach the cross with conviction this year, we must reach the lost with compassion this year I'm telling you Matthew 24 says because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold, we live in a world we live in a church world of iniquity we've allowed lawlessness to come in to the point that our love and our passion for this Jesus has grown cold and when it grows cold here, it will grow cold out there and I'm telling you the church has lost its compassion for the lost and dying world around it, people are going to hell my friend, and the church is going on singing their songs worshipping the way they've always done we gotta have a God felt compassion for those who are in need of Jesus this year, if we're gonna see some of these names come to Christ we gotta have compassion for the lost oh my goodness we have to equip people to know how to share the Word of God effectively. I'm here to tell you, you you've you heard me say it many times, the Word is sharper than two, any two-edged sword. You can do a lot of damage if you incorrectly handle the Scripture. You can damage somebody irreparably. We've got people who are church hurt. we got people who are, are preacher hurt. And I'm here to tell you, this year, my goal, my heart, let's reach those folks and let's show them some compassion and show them how to correct Directly handle this Word. Amen. You can be a lumberjack or you can be a surgeon. I want to be a surgeon for God. How about you? I want to provide healing through the Scripture, not damage and hurt and pain. Too much of that's went on. Matthew 16, turn with me there. That's going to be our anchor verse for the next couple of weeks, or the next few weeks actually. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 18, is simply titled in most Bibles as Peter's Confession of who Jesus is, the Christ. Begins in, t- in verse 13, of chapter 16, saying this, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father who is in heaven, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's going to kind of be where we anchor, so we're going to leave that for a moment, but we're coming back. We're coming back. There are three results of a misunderstanding or not understanding the mission and the purpose of the church. As I said, the mission and the purpose of the church is based upon uh, Matthew 28, the Great Commission. We are to reach the lost at any cost. That's what it basically sums up. And he, he said what? And make disciples. And that process is exactly that, a making process. It's not a, okay, ask Jesus to forgive you and you're on your own. It's a process. And we need to be effective at that process if we want to see God give remaining fruit to this local church. Amen, pastor. Now, there's some things with we don't understand that if we don't preach with conviction, reach the lost with compassion, and equip the saints with the Word. There is something that will happen. Number one, you will see plateaued growth. Growth seems to reach a certain level, and then it begins to drop back down. There's certain reasons you reach a plateau level of growth, and I'm going to tell you folks, we were at a plateau level of growth two years ago. Two years ago, you reach a certain level, people get tired of trying to find a seat, they get tired of trying to find parking, they get tired of trying to, to, to to the chore of going to church. One thing we've got to do is we've got to remove that this year, and there's some things we can do now, not later, that we're going to have to do. One of those things is we are going to be looking at very closely starting an early morning service. Now I know there's apprehension in some about this, but there's a reason we're going to have to do this. If we are going to make room for what God has, we've got to be able to do it now, not wait till we get a building completed six months to a year from now. Now, I'm going to tell you, I hope you've been praying. If you've been praying, you're open to what I'm sharing with you this morning. I have wrestled with this for over a year and a half. I have battled and and prayed and prayed and prayed, God, show me a way, show me a way, show me a way other than doing this. But I do realize that if we're going to be able to reach the souls that God wants us to, there's too many people, and I'm talking to those who are watching online that were within a driving distance, there's too many people sitting at home instead of being in this house. We're a forever family and we want you to be a part of us. Amen, I'm glad we provide online uh, worship services and people can watch that online, but we need you in the doors. We need you to be a part of this journey. Why? Because God is equipping us to do what? What What are we gonna do at harvest? We're gonna see how big we can get? No, I'm gonna see how big we can get so we can go small again and get large again because we're equipping and we're sending people to do the work of Jesus Christ where he has called them to do it. Amen. I'm here to tell you, God's got some pastors he's going to raise up in this church to go and pastor congregations. Got quiet. Somebody's saying, not me, I don't want to do that. Amen. You don't want to do it if God's not calling you. We have to equip some people to do what God has called them to do. Plateau growth will kill you it will begin to drop slowly but then it will begin to do just that drop and level off at a certain number because people are content at where they're at. Oh my Lord, take away our contentment of where we're at and Lord help us see that God you have real growth in mind for us so that we can send more people into the fields to harvest more souls. I'm going to think I just want you to think about look around a little bit. What if everybody in this room just reached one soul in the remaining 11 Short. Well, actually, uh, now into 11 months. Uh, in just the next 10 and a, and, and a half months. Or of this year how many if everybody reached one soul in this room I want you to think about it. just one we think about reaching multitudes what if you just won one person to Jesus this year you targeted one soul this year you say God I want to see one person I want to know I've helped one person find their way into the life that you offer find their way into the hope of Jesus Christ just one person what would happen in this community I'm here to tell you you, a fire would begin to burn like we've never seen before because then what do you do? You don't just win that one, you disciple that one to go win another one. And as we begin to do that, we begin to not just add, we begin to multiply as God intended us to do, amen, and see soul after soul after soul come to Jesus Christ. Too many lost people in Chattooga County. Too many. Too many people claim I belong here, and they don't belong to nothing. Number two, not understanding our mission will cause internal conflict, constant infighting, causing, uh, caused by the ignorance of not knowing what to share or how to share it. What is our purpose? What do we exist? I'm going to tell you one thing we don't exist to be. We don't exist to be a social club. Oh, one Amen. We don't exist to be a spiritual social club where we can just come with other believers and hide in here for a few hours and then go back into this world. We exist as a church to come together so that we might understand our mission and our purpose. Do you understand that? Are you focused on that? We've had 40 days we've challenged this church to focus on different things. Are we focused on our purpose? Are we focused on our mission? Then number three, it will cause low, uh, low morale. Leadership will become discouraged when we begin to lose sight of the vision that God has placed on our heart. When we get off chasing rabbits down different holes instead of doing what we were called to do. One thing, I'm gonna tell you something. I was a miserable pastor till I realized I was an evangelist called to be a pastor. I'm an evangelist that holds the office of the pastor. And I'm here to tell you right now, if we're not winning souls, find you somebody else. Because if I'm just a pastor, I'm not fulfilling what I was called to be or called to do. I am called to reach souls. I am called to equip the saints. I am called to help you win your family and your friends guess what we've got to stay focused on the mission don't get off mission don't get off purpose what is our purpose as a church those three things are destructive and bring death to a local church in other words what do you think about yourself where are you at with this where where where's your focus in what your part is in this coming year oh well my part is to do this or do that no I'm talking about you and God and your everyday life what are you I'm not talking about in this building I'm talking when you leave this building what is your purpose what is your focus number two if you were writing a novel and had to cast a person ident- identical to yourself as the lead character how would you describe that character if you were writing your story about you and you had to cast, how would you describe yourself? Are you a person of passion? Are you a person of vision? Are you a person of direction? Number three, chances are, uh, if we're all honest, there would be something that you and I would want to leave out about ourselves. Why? Because it's an issue of inferiority or it would, uh, something would arise, something would be a flaw in our character that we would want to leave out. Amen? Amen? Because if, if I'm writing my book, my, the preacher in my book's a skinny preacher. Anybody, come on. Amen. Somebody's listening, finally. Make a joke about yourself. They laugh. There we go. Seriously, how many of you would leave stuff out? Want to leave stuff out? Amen? Every one of us. Character flaws, things that we don't like about ourselves. In other words, 95% of the population struggles and this is out of psychology today, 95% of our population struggles with feelings of inadequacy. I can't do anything. I'm not worth anything. I'm here to tell you our worth has to be found in Christ. Our worth has to be found in the Great Commission. Come on. Our worth has to be found in our identity. In other words, it comes through an understanding of what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. Let's look at this again. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is and all of a sudden, many of them began to volunteer different things. Some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. Others, Jeremiah or, uh, or one of the other prophets. In other words, they began to tell him what people thought about him. Too many times, now look, I want to share something with you right now. We're going to get to the heart of it in a minute. Jesus really didn't care what others thought about him. Okay? That's not what he was. not this ego... Uh, Starved person who had to constantly be propped up, he was very aware of his identity. How do you know, Pastor, he was very aware of his identity? Because if you read about when he was driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, amen? Sharing with somebody this week, aren't you thankful? Max Licato said, Aren't you thankful God uh, did not describe himself as the great cowboy driving the cattle? Okay, no, he is the great shepherd and he leads the sheep. Okay, Jesus will lead you, the Spirit will drive you. You understand me? The Spirit will compel you. The Spirit will make you miserable till you do what you're supposed to do. Anybody in the room, God says, hey, pick up the phone, reach out to this person. I don't want to reach out to that person. Pick up the phone, reach out to that person. I don't want to reach out to that person. They was mean to me. They was ugly to me. Reach out to that person. Reach out to that person. The Holy Spirit, then eventually we'll tune him out for a while, but then when we start worshiping and we start getting close to the Lord again, what happens? Hey, hadn't forgotten, reach out to that person. Pick up the phone. Call that person. Go see that person. Haven't forgot, and I'm going to tell you, the Holy Ghost, will, He will nag you worse than the wife. Come on. <laughs> Some of y'all want to laugh, but you're afraid to. I love it. Hey, I got to go home and listen to it, so don't worry about it. Seriously, come on, he will nag. He will stay on you. He will tell you the obvious over and over again. Why? Because when God gives a word, it is not for entertainment. It is not for goosebumps. It's not for you to get a quiver in your liver and shout a little bit. Too many times we want a word to make us emotionally stirred. But when the Holy Spirit speaks, it's not given for those reasons. It's given for obedience. And when we obey, God will do great things. Go ask this person for forgiveness. Lord, they hurt me. I didn't hurt them. I didn't ask you that. I told you to obey me. You promised to obey me. And when we go in obedience, all of a sudden the windows of heaven are unlocked in our life. How many of you have ever had that happen? God tell you to do something you didn't want to do it and you fight it and you fight it and you fight it and you fight it. You're miserable, you're miserable, and you're miserable. Finally either out of just being worn out and frustrated, you obey the Lord and all of a sudden what was held back is released into your life. All of a sudden what you've been praying for has been answered. All of a sudden God begins, because here he says what in his word? I would would rather have your obedience than your sacrifice. God would rather have your obedience than you standing with your hands raised in the church service this morning. God would rather have you obeying his spirit than going through the motions of worship and have an empty heart and an empty soul. There's too many empty worshipers in the house of God. It's time for us to obey the spirit and see a release of the spirit in this community. Who do people say that I am? The son of man. Oh, you're John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, Jesus was not really concerned. He gets to the heart of the matter and he says, okay, that's the word on the street. That's the people that don't really know me, that haven't been hanging out with me. But you are my elite circle. You are my inner circle. And he says to them, but who do you say that I am? You can almost feel the pause in some of them, the moment of withdrawal where they're afraid to speak almost. But then Simon Peter, who is, by the way, my favorite apostle, because I, I, I think his name actually translates the rock, but it also translates uh, apostle who keeps foot in mouth. <laughs> Can anybody relate to Simon Peter? One minute you feel God's speaking through you, the next minute you, he's going, who are you, Satan? no, I'm not Satan. Well, you talking like him. Where's that in the Bible? It's there. Amen? Peter speaks up. says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answers to him and says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And God, help me get this right today. Some of us are looking for a flesh and blood revelation when God is ready to give you a spiritual enlightenment of things. We're wanting, we're wanting, a, we're wanting a Goodyear blimp to go by with our name on it. This is God. Amen. Somebody said, oh, if I just have an angel appear to me, if it did, you'd be saying, oh, I wish it had... Oh, if I could just see the Lord's presence visibly. Better watch what you're asking for. John saw it, amen, in a vision in in Revelations. What did he say? I turned around and when when he got a hold of what he got a hold of, he said, I fell at his feet as if I was dead. In other words, I wish that I could die because of the glory of this Jesus. The power of his majesty. I want you to know something. Some of us are seeking a flesh and blood answer to a spiritual problem. You're not going to find solutions in the flesh. They will be found in the Spirit. The rest of the disciples were kind of silent, but Peter, don't you love it? Peter was always the disciple of the first. First man out the boat, first man to tell him to build tabernacles, first man to first man. Amen? It was his personality. He was a he was a jump. He was he was not a look and leap guy. He was a jump guy. Look later. Peter jumps out of the boat. This time he jumps out of the boat and he says, "You're the you're the Christ." You're the son of the living God. And, and and Jesus looks at him and says, you're blessed. Why are you blessed? He said, because you are not seeing this carpenter from Nazareth. You are seeing with spiritual eyes. There's no way you could see that unless my father reveals it to you. I'm here to tell you, some of us, we're looking at problems. We're looking at things we need to do this year. We need to accomplish in 2020. But we have had a focus on the flesh instead of saying, God... Open my eyes spiritually. Father, reveal it to my spirit because I cannot see it with my flesh. Some of us are trying to see the salvation of a loved one that is in the flesh. They're never going to get right. Come on. We talk about this all the time. Everybody's bottom's different. I wonder if there's a bottom for some people sometimes. Jim I do I wonder if there's a bottom because I'm looking going what more do you need before you look up and realize that you need Jesus but it seems like they just keep falling further and further in a pit further and further down into to to sin and to 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 perversion, and all these other things. I don't know where their bottom is, but I'm here to tell you, that's looking through the eyes of the flesh. But when we look through the eyes of the Spirit, God will see what is unsavable is savable. What is unreachable is reachable. What we don't think we can accomplish, we can't accomplish, for nothing is impossible with God. I'm here to tell you, we need spiritual eyes for 2020. Spiritual eyes. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, my Father. He goes on and he says, and I tell you, verse 18, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell, and the gates of hell. This is not some little figurative, cute little speech Jesus is giving. He's saying, when all hell breaks loose, when all hell comes against you, when every demon is summoned to come and destroy and to kill and to take the promises of God from you and your family, I'm here to tell you, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of of hell shall not prevail against it. What is he saying in that verse of scripture? I will tell you plain and simple what he's saying. When my life is built on a revelation of who Jesus is, when I have a true understanding of who Jesus is, Now look, this is no knock to our drama. This is no knock to anybody that's done spiritual skits. I love them. I keep doing them. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus is more than somebody with a little ketchup poured on them and standing on there on a fake cross. I'm telling you, we have made it something materialistic. We have made it something uh, almost to the point, if we're not careful, idolatry. But Jesus was not the figure that we paint in our minds and our hearts of some defeated, weak, anorexic, frail Jesus. I'm here to tell you, if you were to look upon him, the Scripture says he looked like any other man, any other Jewish male. But what set him apart was when he began to teach because the Pharisees would leave stretching their heads the scribes would leave rubbing their beards, thinking to themselves, what manner of man is this? For he teaches with one who has authority, which that word translates connection. In other words, he is connected to something we're not connected to. He can share the scriptures that we share, and multitudes will come and hear him, but we share the same verses, and people fall asleep. I'm here to tell you, there's a difference when you are connected with the authority, authentic when you are connected with the authority of heaven there is an anointing that flows if we are to reach souls this year we can't just we just can't quote John 3:16 and expect the altar to fill it's going to come with an authentic connection to the father and my friend that doesn't happen in Sunday morning service it doesn't happen on Sunday night It happens when you push back the plate, God help me preach. When you go into your prayer closet, you shut the door behind you and you say, oh God, anoint this flesh and blood. Lord, help me God to be your instrument. God, I need you. And those who pray in secret, he rewards openly. We have to have a revelation of Jesus. I grew up where I was told to have a revelation of the church. Get a vision of the church. See what the church is. Never have I found in Scripture where it says get a vision of a church. But it does say have a vision of who He is. I don't need to see the church. The church is flawed, weak, and human because it's made up of flawed, weak humans. But when I look at Jesus, I do not see this anorexic, frail, defeated Christ. I see the one who walked out on the third day full of glory, full of power, saying, hell, you just take that. You ain't got victory over me anymore. You don't have victory over those who follow me anymore. And he made a show, according to Galatians, openly of those principalities and powers. In other words, he embarrassed them. Anybody ever been embarrassed in this room? About two of us. Thank you for your honesty on the front row. Who has done something embarrassing? You guys need to be, okay. We'll just sit here until everybody raises their hand. Once again, who has ever embarrassed themselves or been embarrassed? There we go. There we go. See you waking up. Everybody in this room, we've embarrassed ourselves. Okay? We've made a show of ourselves. And wish to goodness we hadn't have got up that morning. <laughs> but the Bible says that Jesus made a show of the devil. In other words, he called him out on the carpet oh so you got to understand what was going on here up until this point the enemy had flexed his muscles as this invincible impenetrable force you couldn't get through him you couldn't get around him he's mighty he's strong he's he's the prince of the power of the air he's all these things he had been flexing his muscles unchallenged but all of a sudden my God sent his son and his son showed him who he really was he embarrassed him before all of heaven and all of earth and showed who he was who is he he's not a lion he roars like one but he's really a defeated little cat some of us we have a big vision of the devil and a puny vision of God my God (laughs) my God was victorious over death hell and the grave I'm not even going to get past this this morning this is just the introduction by the way My God embarrassed the devil. Embarrassed him. Can you picture him sitting on his little figurative throne? All of a sudden in walks the son of God who he thought he had defeated and says, hey, you got something that belongs to me. What? What do you mean? You're defeated. You're dead. Not for long. But before... I go anywhere I'm taking back what belongs to me. What was it? The keys to death, hell, and the grave mm. death, hell, and the grave and I don't know if I don't know if God did I don't know if jesus really i don't know if he did this, but I kind of think. He kind of snatched those keys. Like my dad did my car keys one time. (laughs) 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 And looked and said, (laughs) Nice throne. Walked out victorious. And he had the victory so that you can have the victory. And when you pray and when you seek the Lord, you aren't seeking and praying to the image of some frail God being held to a cross. Oh no, my friend. You are praying to a Christ who is victorious, sitting at the right hand of the Father, which means with equal authority. You hear what I'm saying? With equal authority, death and hell are His Victims, not his victors. He victimized those places so that you and I can walk in authority. If we're going to move forward in 2020, we've got to have that kind of revelation of Christ in our personal lives, in our families, in our marriages, in our children, in our relationships with other people. I'm here to tell you when we begin to realize that's the kind of God you see. Who do you see? Who do you say that he is this morning? Who is he to you? Do you have a clear vision of him? Well, I think I do. You see, the Jesus I serve doesn't give the addict strength to get through their addiction. He breaks the chains that bind them to that addiction. and puts them under his feet and their feet, and says what once held you, once was your mess, becomes your message. You see, the Jesus I serve doesn't help and comfort the alcoholic. He breaks the spirit of of, of alcoholism's back and says no longer will you have a claim or a hold in this person's life. That's the kind of Jesus I serve. The kind of Jesus I serve says this to cancer. I'm not going to just comfort you while you die. I'm going to eliminate your illness and your sickness because I'm the healer. Kind of Jesus do you serve? The kind of Jesus I serve owns the cattle of a thousand hills. Not everybody will get this. And Jerry, if you're listening, we're ready. And I mean that with sincerity. God's given me a revelation about a man who's going to help us build a church. Oh, that's crazy talk. I serve a Jesus that' spit in the ground and made of mud. That's the nastiest story I've ever read in my life. I want you to think about that. Oh, it's so blessed. No, it's nasty. I would do a visual, but I'd gag. Some of you would. You're going to rub mud in Isaac's eyes. He made mud out of his spit, rubbed it in a man's eye sockets. He said, go and wash. He goes and he washes. He says, How's things? He says, I see men as trees. Wash again. Then get all the mud out of your eyes. I'm telling you, some of us we've washed once, but we need a clearer vision. You may need to go back to Calvary's flood again, wash a little bit more. His vision clears up. I'm going to tell you now, I'll argue you down. It was better than 2020. God doesn't do something halfway. He didn't halfway die on a cross. He didn't halfway get scourged. He went all the way through it all so that you and I can face and be delivered completely. Amen? And I'm going to tell you my argument right now. I am, I, I, And I'll have some emails, I'm sure. But... I am so sick of people saying, once an addict, always an addict. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. You just got to live every day with that disease and that sickness. They haven't read their Bible because who the sun sets free is free indeed. (laughs) They're no longer identified as that. I was once a lot of things, but then I met Jesus. I'm not claiming those things anymore. I've laid them, I, I'll tell you more than that, I didn't just lay them at the cross, they were nailed to it. That's what the Bible says. And I will not allow, look, the only person, if somebody's identifying you by your past, then they're being an instrument of Satan in your life. Because there's only one person that throws their past in your face and that's the devil. And he may use a person to do that. But I got news for you. If you've been set free, you've been set free. We're going to end this time together like this. If you don't have a clear vision of your own freedom, you will never have a clear vision to see others set truly free. If you still feel bound by and identified by what you once were, then you will never see somebody completely set free of what they are right now. So to see true revival take place in Chattooga County I'm going to tell you what we have to do. We have to leave those things that want to identify us as who we used to be before the cross right where they belong, on the cross and walk in the liberty and the freedom that God has given us. And when somebody comes to you and says, didn't you used to use a needle? Didn't you used to smoke it up? Didn't you used to drink like they all drank, partied up, like the best of them? You can look at them and say, that's who I used to be, but that is not who I am. Why? Because I'm who he says that I am and I am free I am a son I am a daughter I am clean I am no longer who I was stand to your feet if he set you free who do you say that he is well, you, you say we shouldn't share our testimony. We shouldn't share our testimony if we're giving the devil glory. Keep that to yourself till you get the victory that says, okay, I'm going to tell you what I was, but that's not who I am. Do you get the difference? I'm going to tell you what I was. I was the adulterer. I was the homosexual. I was a a, a drug addict. I was a liar. Come on. You say lying? How can that hold? The Bible says all liars have their part in the lake of fire. God takes honesty very seriously. What are you saying, Pastor? If we're going to win this world to Jesus, who wants to win somebody to Jesus? Come on then it's time for us to put aside the things that are holding us back from being who He's called us to be. And I'm going to tell you right now, I believe with all my heart the devil may be working in somebody's mind to say, see that pastor don't love anybody, he just preaches judgment. That's the devil's identity of me. You see, I don't see you bound, I see you free. I don't see who you are, I see who you will be. Because I'm not looking at you with my eyes. I'm looking at you through the eyes of the Lord this morning. And I'm telling you, the shy he is about to unleash with a voice for Him. The timid He's going to remove their timidity and give them boldness and strength this year. The weak are about to become strong again lifeless are about to be breathed upon by heaven's breath of life again. I'm telling you God's awakening something in some of us this morning. You're sitting here this morning and something's stirring. Stirring. God's saying it's time to possess my promise for you. It's time to see clearly with 2020 spiritual vision. What I have in store for you. Amen. I cannot and I will not attempt to build a church without a real revelation of the foundation. How about you, Peter? Blessed are you. For you are Simon Peter upon this rock. What rock? Peter? No. Peter's revelation of who he was. That's the foundation that the church has to be built upon. Not what you see and I see, but what he has given us to see. Amen? Clear vision. He says, when you have a clear vision of who I am, Peter, it forms a foundation in which I can build my church. Oh, my God and upon it I will build it and the very gates of hell will rise up because that's his job. Some of us, oh, I wish I could. The devil's just doing what he's going to do. you going through stuff. That's just what he's going to do. But I'm here to tell you while he does what he just is going to do, kill, steal, and destroy. There is one that offers life, love, and liberty. And I'm here to tell you, his name is Jesus. He trumps the devil. He's mightier than the devil. And upon that revelation, hell can do its best. But it can't defeat you. Amen? If you've been being knocked down, get a foundation. I, I'm preaching strong today because you got to hear this. You've been getting beat back by the devil. Get a foundation. What is that foundation? A revelation of Jesus, a vision of who He is. How so many of us can do great things for God if we just get a view, a vision of Him? <laughs> who wants to see harvest grow? reminded of an old sign when I first moved here it used to be over the door and it said growth with godliness God does not want us to build a church for numbers that's not the growth that I'm talking about I want to see harvest grow how does harvest grow? watching young men and young women and older men and older women walk into their anointing Walk into their calling and start doing what God's called them to do. That's what I want to see. That's the growth I believe God wants. And I got news for you. The natural result of a healthy body is growth. And so if we want to see the church grow in number, we got to grow spiritually strong and be the body that He has called us to be because guess what? I promise you, hell is coming it's going to come against you that's just what happens alright some some of you it's at 6 o'clock or 4 o'clock whenever you get up on Monday you're like hell's here no (laughs) but then you get up and water pressure's gone or you can't drink the water at all we'll have a special service praying for people that drink the water by mistake I'm praying the Lord clears that problem up. Hey, has He not made bitter waters sweet before? If that miraculously goes away and all the tests say, don't you say, boy, how lucky we were. You look at somebody and say, no, nah, harvest prayed that the bitter waters would be made sweet again. We prayed and we believed a God that could do it. If He did it in the Old Testament, He can do it today. I don't know if He does miracles anymore. He does miracles every day. Every day. Who's ready? I feel something building in this place. You, I, am I the only one who's ready for what God has for them? You're ready for it. Once again, we thank you for worshiping with us today. We would love to hear from you. If you were touched in any way by today's message, please let us know. You can find out more about us and even support our ministry with an offering at tryhwc.com. Thank you again for listening and worshiping.